Breathing in all the madness around you. Feeling like it's the end of days. Thrown aside, now you know that you want to. They don't know better anyway. Nice. (laughs) Thank you, Doug. It's funny. um, Obviously, you know, uh, as we were just mentioning, I went back through your last couple to see if you're still doing this stuff, right? Still doing the singing intro. Yeah. Like what? What can I find that's you know you know pairs well with uh, you know the discussion that's probably going to come up of you know the daily grind of construction life and all that could co- pop into my head were like the lyrics from Frozen. Like I've, I've got a five year old daughter at home and it's like let it go, right? So I'm I'm not a big music. guy. How many so like, times have you heard it? Oh my god, we let her watch one movie a week and yeah. it's like every single. Time Is that the one Frozen. that's just been worn out forever? Oh yeah. Is it? I'm not a parent, so I just been told by parents oh, totally. that that's the yeah. one. Like if it was a VHS, it would be like it'd be know, ripped apart. You know? You'd be buying a second one, exactly, and another yeah. one, and another one. But it's yeah. not. So it's streaming. Right. Is it streaming or is it on? A, yeah, it's on Disney. Or it's on everything. Or yeah, yeah. Dog, welcome back to the show, man. We've got yeah, great uh, to be here. Yeah, this is awesome that I finally yeah. got you on. I know we were trying, and you guys have been busy and yeah. growing, and I've been watching, and it's yeah. been amazing. And and then you kind of came up with this idea about let's just share a bunch of stuff that you guys are doing and where you're planning with yeah. the business. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to let everybody know that uh, Duck Taylor's here, only one. I mean, the other guys are all working away, but yeah. it's not like you're playing hooky because you're doing right. work here as well, too. Right. So uh, Frontiers Design Build, uh, www.frontiersdesignbuild.com, and it's Frontiers, sorry, Frontiers, what's the LA? No. For the email? Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's FrontiersLA at gmail.com. Okay, all right, right, my mistake. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to uh, DGR with the high-vis hoodie that they gave me, which is great. It's loud, but (laughs) it's great. (laughs) I might go, you know, do a little air traffic controlling going on at Pearson a little bit later on, but we'll see. But I I appreciate it. It's actually a nice hoodie, and I like seeing their crew on a a poor day and having everybody with the high-vis, and everybody's there. You can see everybody, right? So um, we're going to talk about your growing business yep. and where it's headed and where you guys want it to go, mm-hmm. where it's been um, and what you're doing. And yep. these are all huge things. And these are massive questions that every contractor, every tradesperson yep. asks several times during the course of their career. Right. So where do you want to begin with this, man? Yeah. So when I was kind of thinking about what we should talk about, it's um, like looking back on the last, I don't know, six or seven years of, of frontiers feel like we've put a lot of time and effort into trying to figure some of it out. Um, Just learning. The, yeah, learning. The, the minutia of growing a business, right? And, uh, you know, not to say that I have it all figured out or it's perfect by any, it's not by any means. No. Um, and it never will be, right? Um, but I just kind of wanted to go back through, like, a, f- a few of the re- recent hurdles, stepping stones that we've hit, kind of how we overcome, overcame them, kind of some of the tactics we used, uh, some of the fundamentals that have um, helped us be successful, the last six or seven years in growing our business. I want to just give uh, people who haven't heard the last show, because it's been probably almost a year since uh, you guys were on the show. Yeah, probably both and, and you had everybody there, well, most everybody there, but now the, the crew has grown. And I, I want people to understand there's a wealth of knowledge there. There's a lot yeah. of experience tradespeople that are a part of your team, a part yep. of this brand, right? Yep. If you want to just highlight them a little bit and see where everybody's coming from and sure. how, because I'm very respectful of what you guys have done and what other companies are doing, yep. where you're pooling resources together. Right. You're finding like-minded individuals yep. and you're putting them together. And I, I, I get a sense from the industry, everybody wants this. Like this yep. is really key. And they're slowly understanding that we're not one person shops. Like we totally. cannot be a, a lone person building a construction brand. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, where do I start? I mean, 
So I, I started the business in 2008 and I was kind of alone on the ownership end until 2014, 15, when I brought on James and Adam as, uh, as partners. Um, and I think that was really a catalyst at that point to more of a, um, a company culture direction and, and team atmosphere, uh, team decision-making, team brainstorming, team accountability. Um, and at that point we really started kind of hiring like-minded individuals as opposed to bodies. Got it. Right. So were you at a point in your career, there was a lot of heaviness of the construction industry on you individually? Well, totally. I mean, at that point, I was the owner operator doing literally everything. Yeah, right. I was on site coordinating everything, making all the decisions. Um, I was selling, designing, estimating, project managing, scheduling. It's a lot. Yeah. And trying to be on site for most of the day. Right. So it's, it's the struggle that most tradespeople have when they're owner operators and they may have, you know, whatever, one, one or two guys, or even, you know, five or six, yeah. they get kind of stuck in that vortex of owner operator. Um, but yeah, I think that was in 14, 15, it was really the catalyst where we we're like, okay, let's, let's bring in people that are, um, you know, a good cultural fit and we can kind of, we can build a community. We can build a brotherhood, um, at frontiers, um, start to empower them, start to kind of give them uh, responsibility and accountability that comes with it and uh, see where that takes us. Um, we didn't really know kind of where we were going at that point, but we kind of knew that that's, um, that's the vibe we wanted to have. That's the culture we wanted to have. And, um, yeah. Was there anything outside that you guys came across that you were trying to mirror? Like, did you look at other industries and thought we should be implementing this into our business? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I've been part of a really good peer group since 2012. Um, and I think really kind of, so, so probably being in that peer group for that three or four years up, up to that point started to give me some of the business fundamentals and traction to really start to piece it together. So I think, um, you know, in that peer group, some of those guys being further ahead in development than I was gave me those examples to follow those, those tidbits of information. Um, this was a construction peer group or yep. business construction? Yep, land, landscape green is industry specifically. Okay. I'm still in the group, yep. um, so I've been in that group for you know a solid decade now, um, and it's 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 been fundamental as well um, for for some of the stuff that we've implemented. So almost ten years, eh? yeah. Wow. Okay. Yep. So the guys came in. You started partnering up with them, yep. and then what was the first action that you guys were starting to look at things? Um, so what James brought to the table was the renovation side of the business, right? As you know, so I, I started with landscape. He brought renovation. We, we really kind of turned into a full turnkey to design build at yeah. that point for people. So we started the first really good kind of cultural fits we had there were um, our initial carpenter staff that we hired. And all these guys that we implemented at, the, at this point, they were new. They were, they were green. So we built all these guys up. So um, right out of school or right yeah. out of... Uh, yeah, the first couple carpenters we had were right out of school. Wow. Um, landscape guys, um, yeah, just kind of guys kicking around the University of Guelph, um, but they had, had kind of a passion for the landscape and really kind of shaped them and developed them into foremen. Was that by accident or by choice that when you guys were doing call-outs and you're, you're basically scouting? Yep. Um, was that by accident that you were finding a younger group of people? It was probably, probably subconscious um, with the intent of, like, who do we feel comfortable with? What is our company culture? What are the types of people, the like-minded people that we want to be with? Yeah. I think people kind of gravitate to other people like themselves. Totally. Right? So there's probably some of that going on. Um, because we are a relatively 
homogenous uh, group of guys. We all get along really well. Not a lot of conflict. Um, we all have, you know, passion for the work, that type of thing. So I think, I think we were looking for people similar to ourselves, which has its pros and cons yep. as well, right? But you learn. You learn yeah. off each other. And yeah. learn good, bad. Like, that's the, yeah. that's the whole point is that yeah. you guys, it feels like you guys were looking for sounding boards. Yeah. You were looking for people, not just employees. You weren't just looking for employees that would just come in, punch the clock, do the job right. and get. No, you, that was not the whole objective here when you guys were talking about let's grow the business, let's yeah. grow the brand. Right. Yeah. We wanted to bring like minded people that will contribute yeah. to the brand. Right. And the big the big thing there is giving them a voice too. Yes. Yeah. Um, part of the vortex that I think owner operators get stuck in is that especially when you're a single owner, it's you're the decision maker, right? Yeah. You don't really have that sounding board and you just kind of think of ideas on a whim. Some of them might be short-sighted and you just, you know, give marching orders, right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. All these people are just kind of like, you know, following the colonel into battle. Whereas I think once you build that sounding board with, you know, in my case, a couple more owners, um, some empowered employees, you really start to kind of hash through issues and, and kind of vet them a little bit more and come up with processes that work for everybody instead of just you as the owner. But the industry in general, you get these individuals that start a business start a brand they're so proud of it and they don't want like you did in the beginning like we yep. all do you do everything you wear every hat yep how like how easy was it for you to let go of that and let somebody else come in super hard yeah super super hard um by nature i'm kind of like a micromanager um as many owner operators yeah. are right yeah um but it's slow and you got to work on it uh I'm, I'm certainly not there you know there's you know, a lot of inside jokes are in, in at Frontiers about like you know, how Doug's just you know, shows up to a job site and it's chaos. He jumps in a machine and he causes chaos. <laughs> like it's, I'm still having a hard time like, yeah. stepping back and letting guys that are now better at this stuff than I am yeah. to just do their job. Yeah. So um, put the machine down, Doug. Just exactly. put the machine yep. down. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Like if I put a tool belt on, they'll take a photo. Around, like, <laughs> But, but that's hey, what they're supposed did. to do anyway, right? Because yeah, yeah, sure. maybe you just want to just do it just to kind of, oh, this is what it feels yeah, like. Well, it's fun. Yeah. That's so when I like. get stressed out, I mean, I go hop in a skid steer. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I got to limit, limit that these days. And James, they're the same way too. It was that like all three of you guys were all the same kind of mindset coming in and they had a reluctance, I guess, to let go of the tool yeah, belt. Yeah, I mean, James did a lot. James, James kind of went cold turkey, which is impressive. Oh, wow. James is very disciplined. Okay. Um, so he's he's our process guy. He's developing some of our internal systems and processes, but he's he's disciplined. So when it came point uh, or it came time for him to kind of just like drop the tools and let the PMs kind of jump into the frying pan, he just did it. it. It went really well. I guess most guys and girls in the industry have to realize that it's not a negative. Yeah. To drop the tools, right? It's not a yeah. negative to let other people that you've hired or you're working with to expand the business. Yep. It's, I guess maybe they're always looking at it as a, as a negative, right? Yep. But it's not at all. It's about the implementation. I yeah. mean, you, you got to be prepared yourself. You got to be organized. You got to be providing them with what they need. Um, you got to be setting up them for success. You need to make sure that they have, um, you know, or you have expectations and they know what your expectations are. Uh, they need the tools to be successful, right? So we've made that mistake a couple times where we've kind of you know, brought somebody in um, given them, you know, free reign to maybe develop part of the business or, or do something, but without enough guidelines or enough bumpers and enough support, and they just kind of floundered. So was it the hope that they'll figure it out? Yeah. That kind of thing, right? right? Yeah. Hey, we think we're bringing somebody in that's like us, that's, um, you know, can think uh, independently, can multitask and figure things out. They've got some experience, but, but still, it's got to be part of a system. It's got to be part of the frontier system in, in order to work. 
Okay. So, so yeah. then where was the shift after that that you guys started noticing that if we stay on this path, Frontiers is going to just stay at an even level. Yeah. But you guys aren't interested in that. You're interested in, in building something completely different, right? So where was that moment when you guys all sat down? And was it just the three partners that first sat down and said, every year we're doing the same amount of work. Every year we're growing a tiny bit. Every year, and if we keep on this path, this is where we're going to be 10 years from now. Do we want to be there? What was it that you guys looked at and did to make that different? Yeah, I don't think it was, I don't think it was one, moment, one moment. It was more um, a continual and consistent approach of like, how can we improve a little bit? How can we improve a little bit? What can we do next? What can, what can we do next? So tweaking the dials as opposed to some like big lofty change. Um, so slow and steady. Um, and I think it was kind of from right from day one, uh, especially like when, when, they, when we merged in 2014, 15 and, and started kind of doing it together. Um, but no, I don't recall one time where we sat down and said, this is our goal. We're constantly looking at that. Yeah. You know, at least kind of like, bare minimum kind of quarterly we have these big discussions um try and do it monthly but uh, have an open conversation and just no no stupid questions no stupid yeah, answers yeah. no nothing like that and you yeah. guys just throw everything at the wall and just see what happens yeah. and then like go we, from there adam james and i we try and meet monthly to kind of discuss vision um kind of big macro topics and then kind of quarterly is when we have more of our um, financially focused forecasting where we look at, look at three and five year plan and and again, discuss things like on a macro level. Has it worked for you guys when you guys have actually implemented something and said, listen, James came up with this, Doug came up with it. Like you guys all came up with an idea. You uh, implement You put it into place and all of a sudden you saw the cause and effect of it. And, and it doesn't matter how micro, how small, yeah, but you yeah. saw it, right? Yeah, sometimes. Okay. And we'll get into that with some of the stuff I put together for today. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a number of things you need to kind of take into account when you're building that type of stuff. But it's tough. Very tough. Super tough. What is it? Are we our own worst enemy? Is that what it is? It's like you still have that mindset. Yeah, I, I'm, no, a I'm a lone gun, right? So all of yeah. a sudden I want to, I want to handle that. I want to handle that. But I think in construction slowly, but surely most are trying to let go and give it to somebody else and realizing that there is a cause and effect that their business and brand will grow if they let go. Yep. That's, that's huge. Right. And I see big differences generationally. Like I look at some of the, uh, you know, some of the veterans in the industry and they're very set in their ways, yep. you know, owner operator. Um, you know, I'm just going to keep costs low and I'm, I can't, I can't afford to hire guys or I can't afford to hire somebody in the office or, um, but they're not thinking past that and saying, you know, well, if I do have that person in the office, then, you know, we can, we can sell more, we can be more organized, more efficient, more profitable, more, and they'll pay for themselves and more. Right. What's the ultimate goal for you guys? Like what's, what's that, Top of the mountain that you guys are looking for. Yep. Yeah. What, what, what is that? If you could share that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, we're focused on uh, high performance construction. So we're getting into, um, we're currently working on some spec homes that are going to be passive certified. So for us, it's about building things really, really well. Um, carving a niche in the market for that high performance, um, being the tip of the spear on that kind of, not necessarily luxury, but quality. Um, so we're really kind of pushing that, trying to figure out what that means for landscape as well. Cause it's easy with, you know, with home construction or retrofits, you've got, you know, your passive, you've got your net zero program. Uh, landscape is a little bit more of the wild west still where yeah. there's, uh, there's things you can do that are green, uh, that are eco-friendly, that are innovative. Um, there's products out there that are starting to come to light, but, uh, still it's not as, 
um, robust of a, a concept as say like building a passive house, right? Are the clients there? Are the clients, I guess, intellectually there? Do they understand and appreciate that course of action? Because now you guys are entering a segment of the market that yeah. is very, very small compared totally. to the majority of the market. Are they there? Not, not in volume. Okay. Not in any means. Um, so with us, you know, we don't want to get big. We don't want to push volume. Again, we're, we're focused on quality, innovation and quality. And you could easily do that if you wanted to. You could just job, 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 job. Yeah, well, we could become a production builder and just yeah. slap up houses, right? Yeah, but that's um, not what you guys want to do. But we'd be f- competing against, you know, all the, you know, the, the Matamies and the Reeds and the, all, all these big players in our local market, right? So um, we're trying to stay um, outside in that niche and focus on, you know, our, our five-year vision right now is to be building like, you know, maybe five homes a year. Nice. Um, whether there's a spec or custom or a blend of. But passive, you definitely want to focus yep. on on these little mm-hmm. details that are going to basically be signatures to you guys. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So, I mean, we're based out of the Guelph area. So Guelph is, is very green. Politically, it's very green. Um, the demographic there is really kind of appreciates sustainability and green. So it's kind of the epicenter regionally for high performance and, and green initiatives. So it, it's a good spot to, to try this proof of concept and, car- and carve that niche. Am I fair to say that in that area, are there a lot of younger homeowners coming into the market or is it more of the established homeowners that are probably looking at their forever home and go, listen, we want to be here for 20 years. Yeah, a bit we- of both. Okay, I mean, it is kind of that tertiary market where, um, you know, middle-aged people that, you know, do have a career are, you know, fleeing the GTA uh, and trying to get something a little bit more affordable um, while still within kind of that hour where they could potentially commute for their, you know, their current hybrid work jobs where they're only going to the office one or two days a week. Yeah. So, um, I mean, like everywhere, the real estate prices are going up in Guelph as well. Um, but it is still that kind of tertiary market where I think um, some people s- still can get in. You're not paying, you know, a million and a half for, for entry level. So. It's just ludicrous, uh, I know. Right. And then renovate. Exactly. <laughs> and then, then you guys come into yeah. the picture. Yeah. All right. So why don't we, because I, I want to let everybody know that, I mean, people are still listening to the show primarily, but we're trying to shift the gears to everybody watching the show. So, I mean, you've been kind enough to put a presentation together and have some key details that we want to discuss. So we could probably start and we'll be cutting back and forth. So I encourage anybody who's listening to either stop it or start watching it because there's going to be a lot that's going to be shared. We'll describe it as best we can, but we definitely want to just focus on the visual element, right? So if you want to introduce the Frontiers group and we'll just go sure. from there because I know you started with the group shot, which is great. Yep. And was everybody ner- nervous about doing a photo shoot? And just, oh, no. No? no we do it like once a year, so it's all good. <laughs> so you can see the aging yeah. process of everybody. Right. This was going to happen, yep. man. Uh, so here's the team right here. Do you want to ramble on everybody there? Uh... Sure. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> if you can remember everybody's yeah. name. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm top left there. And then we got, uh, so from top left over, we've got Luke, uh, Brian, Graham, Adam, Jordan. In the middle there, left to right, we've got uh, Jer, Mac, Liam, JR, Mike, and Drew. Bottom, we've got Blake, Ethan, Luke, James, Jesse, and Pat. Like the youngest? Which? Is Blake the youngest? Is Blake the youngest? Uh, or Jesse? Yeah, he might no? be. He might uh, be the youngest. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, Jesse uh, looks younger than he is. Oh, okay. All right. But, uh, yeah. So we've uh, so a couple guys in that group have moved on, and we've added a couple as well. So there's a little little bit of turnover that was from the spring. Got it. But uh, yeah, that's the the core group that we've had since like you know the the fifteen six two thousand fifteen sixteen is, is still there. So. so it's been an interesting seven eight years for you guys right i mean i've watched you guys dramatically grow and lots of respect for that and and there's never been a question about the quality that you can see the quality 
That's the thing. And and you guys aren't filtered quality. You know what I mean? It's not just you're showing the pretty stuff. You're showing... Oh, it's all of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's really fascinating. And I'm seeing a slow, we can call it trend, people actually showing all of it on right. social media instead right. of just showing the pretty stuff, right? Yeah. So it's it's really fascinating. So now, okay, all right, where do you want to go from here, Doug? Uh, yeah, just dive right into it. Okay, cool. Let's yeah. go right in. So we'll mm -hmm. just go through these slides, yeah. Yeah, so I kind of want to just, and again, this is just my experience, um, you know, of the last six or seven years, some of the stuff that we hit. Um, <clears throat> so we kind of really ran into a plateau at, at 1.8 mil in revenue. Um, at the time, we had about 18 staff. But as we mentioned earlier, I was kind of doing it all myself. I mean, at, at that point, there was there was James, Adam, and I. We were still kind of as, a, as an owner group doing all of the back end ourselves, all, all the project management ourselves. We really hadn't let anything go at yeah. that point. We just brought on some of these, you know, newer carpentry guys that we had, but they were green. We we're training them on the technical aspects of the job. So we sat at 1.8 for like a good couple of years there. How long did it take you to get to that point <clears throat> from that 2015 starting point to 2017, 2018? Uh, yeah, I had I, pushed it to like 1.2, 1.4 myself. And then when I brought on Adam and James, that bumped us up into that. So it was a pretty good ramp up at that yep. point. But then you guys sat still for a couple of years. A couple of years, yep. Okay. Yep. Until we um until we got um really into um you know empowering the guys, right? Allowing us to step back and work on the business a little bit, right? So that's really kind of what jumped us up into the three point two range a couple of years after that. So in 2019, 2020. So we basically doubled in size. Also in there, there was a couple of big projects. So we had started like our technical stills and our marketing had caught up to a point where we were getting some bigger jobs. And that really kind of helped us push into, up into that area. Um, and we started to implement some office staff. So before that, I was, I was super proud about how lean we were, um, that I was doing it all, right, on the back end. And um, you know, I was still in the field half the time. So we were super lean. Our overhead was incredibly low, right? Which, you know, at that time, uh, without without the foresight of um, you know looking ahead, it's kind of short sighted. Yeah. Right. Um, it can be profitable, but it's not sustainable. I mean, I love that the moment you guys decided to give that empowerment to the team. Yeah. You saw sales started climbing. Yeah. Was that the pride attached to the team contributing to the frontiers? Yeah. That connection, and then letting you focus, the three of you yeah. guys focus on the business. Yeah, I mean, the growth up until that first plateau was pretty incremental. Yeah. And then that, like, kind of doubling overnight was like, whoa. Something's like, going on. We, we just we just did some stuff on the back end here. We, we tweaked some levers, and, you know, it, it worked. Like, there, it, it brought on its own number of issues at that size as well. You know, trying to figure out and have, you know, an office administrator um, – you know, what do they do? What What is their role? How can they best support? Um, what am I letting go of and giving to that person? Um, you know, not keeping my eye on, you know, necessarily maybe the finances as much as I always did before. Um, so there was there was a lot of things we had to figure out. But it, at the same time, there was that pride in like, hey, we just basically doubled in size in a couple of years. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Right? Were the three of you guys thinking to yourselves, uh, I got time for extracurricular activities here? Is that no. No, you no, guys weren't thinking that? I haven't that? gotten there yet. No, I, I I'm, I'm really? starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel there. Okay. Um, I mean, I mentioned I, I've got a five-year-old daughter. I've got a two-year-old son as well. So, you know, once I started having kids, like, I definitely stopped the evening workings. Um, you know, but I mean, obviously, back when I was an owner-operator, I was working in the field all day and then 
twenty four seven. Yeah. Nine PM until midnight I was doing office stuff. Yeah. Right? That stopped as soon as I had kids. Um Good for you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you, you gotta. I mean, family first. Um, for sure. I forget that some days. But uh Don't worry, the family's there to remind you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so then going into the whole world chaos, you guys yeah. hit plateau number three. And you saw the jump, of course, right? So the whole construction industry saw a jump. Totally. Did you guys contribute to to the whole world chaos as part of the jump, or was that a contributing part of a factor? Or, um, yeah, COVID was insane. Yeah. Um, I think I think it was good timing though for us because it was kind of in alignment with us really kind of putting those other pieces in place to allow us to grow, and then we saw this influx of demand. Right. It was a feeding frenzy. Yeah. For us. Um. You know, I, I predominantly focus on the sales of our exterior work. James does the interior. So for me, it was pools. Everybody needed a pool. Yeah. Everybody and their cousin and their neighbor and their brother, they all needed a pool. Uh, and they were, like, emotional about it. I, I had people kind of come into me and be like, you know, I, I'm at home. I'm working from home now. My, you know, my kids are around. I, I don't know what to do with them. And, <laughs> like, how quick can you get a pool? Like, yeah. I we pool, need something pool to do. Pool therapist. Is exactly. That's what it became. So we went from doing, uh, you know, on average, like, a couple pools a year to doing eight pools a year. Wow. Um, which, you know, helped, again, bump our revenue up. Um, and it was a good, solid, you know, meat and potatoes in our in our pipeline. How far ahead are you guys still booking pools right now? Uh, yeah, we're like mid-next season. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it is slowing down, um, if we want to go on that tangent. But, uh, you know, th- the demand is still there. The need and the want for projects. The homeowner still wants stuff done. Yeah. But people are nervous. They're nervous right now. And we, we yeah. can talk about it a little bit later on, but I, I could see that nervousness. Yeah. Right. And rightfully so too. Yeah. I mean, it, it like you said, it was a feeding frenzy for the construction industry, but it was also a feeding frenzy for anybody who had saved up money from traveling, saved up money from line of credits or whatever. And now that the industry is just, or I guess the political industry is changing. Uh, yep. Interest rates are changing. Everything's changing. So now people get nervous as a result and totally. question and push off. And, and we know that that's, ha- that's actually happening yeah. for so the uncertainty. There's certainly, there's a wait and see vibe yes. going on. Yeah. Sure. Like we're seeing projects, uh, you know, where people are like you know, pulling an element out of it instead of doing the whole thing or saying, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll do phase one. Let's break this in half. I think that's going across the board for everybody. Yeah. I think everybody that was happily booked, yep. They're noticing we're having another conversation. Yeah. And, and, and rightfully so. Every client should be having that conversation. Yeah. yeah. What my hope is, I mean, it's clear that the demand is still there. There's a, there's a pent-up demand still for work. So it's out there. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, come the spring and interest rates kind of settle, um, that it's like oh, the sky's not falling. And, uh, you know, spring, you know, the sun's in the air. Um, and, and things kind of keep chugging along. Yeah, for sure. A bit. But we'll see, right? That's all we can do right now. Yep. So, uh, so plateau three, you went up to six point five mil. Yep. Staff grew a bit, but that was more office staff or more construction staff. Yeah, I'd say predominantly office staff, because uh, what really kind of took us and we basically doubled in size there again, and this is where we're at right now. Um, so, taking on a little bit more behind the scenes staff allowed us to push projects through pre-construction, so design, budget planning, permitting. Um, so we were pushing more through the pipeline and relying more on trade partners. Uh, so we didn't really grow our production staff immensely, but we grew our ability to project manage. Um, so to be that turnkey design build provider, pushing people through 
the initial process before you put the shovel in the ground and then managing the shovel once it's in the ground. So were there, I'm trying to figure out if, if the construction staff didn't really grow as much as the office staff in that period of time and sales doubled, were the days longer or was it there just more work and you had longer weeks that did you shift gears and more hours because you're developing more projects now, right? So it was a shift. Uh, so because our project size continues to increase, uh, we're relying more on trade partners. So foundation contractors, our, you know, our electricians, okay. our plumbers, our, yeah. our pool guys, our, um, you know, you name it. Um, so I, as the project gets bigger, we can self-perform a smaller segment of it. And we're relying on, you know, sometimes we've got you know, 15 different trade partners on a project. But that made Frontiers more efficient too. Totally. Yeah. Totally. But, and in this time, you know, people have grown from being new and green to foreman to project managers Right. So we've got we've got three really skilled project managers in house right now um, that now know how know how to do it, know how to do it the frontiers way, know our trade partners well. So we can kind of, you know, do that pre con, keep it really detailed, give them everything they could possibly need to the best of our ability, hand it to them and they can run with it. Are you guys the partners surprised that they're getting this like so quickly into the game because it feels like they're getting it quickly in a game but i think that's a compliment to you guys in the frontiers mindset yeah. you've kind of shown them that this can happen yeah. this this fast right yeah and i think it's again it's it's keeping them part of the conversation when we're working on the business okay um we we've got weekly meetings where we chat about stuff we've got quarterly company meetings where we meet for a full day and go through company financials and best practices and parking lot issues and and that type of thing. So it's not waiting for them to grow on their own and just kind of bite off more and more themselves. It's um, it's allowing them to like as we try and dial the levers of the business, um, have them part of that and learning in that accelerated time frame as well. Yeah, it's great. I love that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, any more plateaus? No, that's where we're at right now. No, that's where we're at right now. And yeah, like I said, I mean this. So the precon staff. So it's basically kind of we've set it up so that we've. So we've hired two design staff in the last in the last year. Um, well, about a year and a half for one and about uh, eight or 10 months for the other. So James and I and the two design staff, the four of us are what we call our pre-con team. And we're, a lot of our day-to-day is, is pushing these projects through pre-con. So um, we're really able to kind of get those jobs through, through, the, through the sales funnel that way and then hand them off to the PM role. Um, and that PM role is, again, something that's new and we're really trying to support them in that um and then along with that you know comes constant training onboarding recruiting for sure everything and uh yeah and then you're still recruiting you're still looking for new always staff recruiting. always right always how is the pool out there mm-hmm. is it pretty good in your area or is it like we all have the same problem hit and miss it yeah. seems as though a lot of the traction we get is um you know referral um somebody knows somebody um we've had some luck with people approaching us on instagram saying hey you know we really love your presence seems like you guys have good culture. Can we, can we chat? Can we sit down? Um, and they I show th- up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's I think a joke. I know, but it's sad, but it's yeah. true. Yeah. Okay. I, I think gone are the days of, you know, putting a job posting up and getting applicants and then weeding through those. Yeah. I think you have to be a little bit more grassroots about it to find the people that door are door knocking, man, door yeah. knocking, digital door knocking. Yeah. It's, it, it, it'll get you in front of the right person to right. speak to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Another super tough realm to manage because i mean the people are just not, not out there yeah right there's so much more demand like everybody's hiring um so i mean as, as somebody that would be say looking for a new job i mean pick where you want to go exactly right 
I know that, yeah, you guys, uh, I was, it was you guys that did a recent post where you were hiring. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like everybody is looking for, yeah. even though we're going into uncertainty, everyone still is because they're, we're being optimistic. Yep. That's all we can do, right? Because we'll see what happens or we'll be more efficient. We'll run a better, tighter ship. Yep. So the, the work will be there. And then if you're good and you want to be a part of this culture, yep. open arms. Yep. Which is really important. Okay. Um, and then from there, now I guess the next plateau would be what you guys are planning, what you wanna, where you want to take yep. the business now. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, um, we've got a, a core in our business of, of landscapes and whole home rentals. We're going to maintain that, which is basically at, at the size we're at and with our uh, home construction. So a blend of, of spec home and custom home construction, that's going to take us up into the 10 to 15 million range. I mean, I know that you, was it last year or the year before you guys were just finishing up the tiny home. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, any more interest in more clients coming around at you guys to do more of those projects? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah we get, uh, um, we actually had one a couple days ago in Guelph. Somebody reach out for, for a tiny home. Um, we're in pre-con on one, another one in Guelph. Very nice. For huh? A tiny home. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's, it's, it's something that the traction for that is accelerating. Are yeah. you guys in Guelph? I don't know about it. I know in Toronto, everyone knows about laneway. Are, are there the government there? Are they entertaining yep. that? They're, yeah, they you are. can have that second dwelling. Okay. Yep. All right. Cool. Yeah. And then, okay. All right. That's interesting. So now uh, you got some quotes here. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of, we've kind of hit on some of this type of stuff, but uh, what got you here won't get you there. And that's, that's something I have to remind myself all the time. Yeah. The whole industry needs to be reminded yeah. about that. Cause I they mean, just think that it works. Don't, don't burp, like, don't change it. Totally. Totally. It's not the way I, I think of like myself, you know, back in that owner operator phase. Um, I'm a bit of a grinder. I, I grew up on a farm. I, I just know how to work. Right. So I was, I was really good at getting the company from nothing to the point where we had to like get past that owner operator stage, just working, working hard. Um, I struggle more with, um, you know, stepping back, stepping away and, and working on the business. Right. So you have to really kind of grow yourself. What, what got you here is not going to get you yeah, to that 100%. next plateau. Yeah. Um, I think when, you know, the next one here is, is, is the juice worth, juice worth the squeeze. Um, again, something you kind of always have to, if, if you're in a growth mode or trying to, trying to do something is, um, there's all kinds of ideas out there. Um, but is, is that particular one going to be a benefit? Cause you can only work on so much, right? Um, you have one name on two seats, just not two names in one seat. So this is something James and I battle quite a bit. It's something we're actually like kind of yeah. tackling right now in this pre-con role. Like the, the intent is to, you know, push me out into more CEO and, and sales management and James to really take on that pre-con role. For, for a lot of years um, since we merged, James and I have both been uh, selling, designing and estimating in tandem, right? He's focusing a little bit more on the interior. I'm on, on the exterior, but we're doing the same job. Yeah. Right. So we need to, we need to kind of split that. Um, so there's a bit of cross training there that we're we're trying to work on. Uh, when everything is important, nothing is important. We're we're guilty of um, because we meet so frequently and talk about growth and, and the business. We're constantly having ideas of you know new systems and new processes, uh, and we we throw it on our to do list, and it just it becomes enormous. Um, and when you got too much to work on, you can't work on anything. Can't so, focus. Yeah. Yeah, we got to a point a couple months ago where like, okay, like these lists, they can only be two or three items long for each of us. Uh, So we had to kind of, you know, make a backlog list and then, you know, put put some priority to do's on each of our lists um, just so simply we could, you know, focus a little bit. 
Yeah, that whole mindset of like make a list of 20 things you want to do this year. That's right. And then write them down. Yep. Ignore the last 15 and focus on the first five. Right. That kind of thing. Because you were just adding to the list just totally. for trying to come up with yep. ideas, right? Yeah, it totally works, man. Yep. Yeah, I know. Yep. Uh, what gets measured gets done. Um, you know, there's a number of examples of this. But, you know, I, I mean, if you're trying to grow and you have specific targets, I mean, if you're not measuring, you know, say a sales target, like if you want to grow to a certain size, you know, oh, it's probably about this size of a business and then breaking that down into, you know, quarterly sales targets and monthly sales targets and then reverse engineering to, okay, well, you know, I've got to have this many leads. I've got to talk to this many people. I've got to do this many proposals as opposed to just, you know, not measuring that and, and winging it. You got to look back to the past to figure out what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. And so you guys are constantly as part of the whole meeting process, you're looking at, you're reviewing what's been done as much as we can. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's in, inconsistent when we're busy, but, uh, but the premise there is that, um, a number of things, you know, they need, they need measurements, you know, it's a very simple one. Um, timesheets submissions, the guy, the guys get paid based on their timesheets, right? So when guys are lagging behind and forgetting to submit timesheets, it makes doing payroll chaos, right? Difficult. So we implemented a, um, a bit of a game, but we were basically tracking the percentage completion of, of timesheets for a while because it was basically like you got, you got a check mark, uh, check mark if you did it that day. And if you did it like the following day or later, it was an X, right? But that's more review that you guys technically shouldn't be doing right. or need to be doing. Right. Yeah. But it got our time se- timesheet submissions from like 60% up to like 95% so by tracking it. Yeah. By measuring it, it. it makes a lot of sense. Right. I'm, I, I'm curious, the, the, the three of you guys, do you formally set up time for to speak and to discuss things or do you guys just say listen all three of us right here right now on the job site we don't care that there's all this chaos going no, it's on re- recurring meetings recurring meetings that's all you guys are just totally. form f- make it formal and just set it up yep. and go right and yep. that's it because otherwise i guess you just create chaos if you're yeah. on the job site let's just do it now because i don't want to drive out there i don't want to do yep. this right like we're more focused like yep. a, gas is empty Our tank is empty we're gonna go yep. get gas so now we got to sit down and go get it that's it yep. yeah, yeah okay. we have weekly production meetings weekly administrative meetings uh, a weekly sales and design meeting, um, monthly, we call it a management meeting for me, James and Adam, and then kind of quarterly forecast meetings. So I guess a lot of the younger and the newer would be looking at that going, that just seems like so much time consumed, yeah. but it's not really, if you think about it. Well, I mean, it's gotta be productive. Yes. It's gotta be concise. Um, these meetings can't be, you know, two, three hours. They gotta be half an hour, 45 minutes uh, and you gotta get through it. So you gotta be prepared. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, like I said, you know, we're constantly changing things and we've gotten to the point a couple of times where like, man, like I don't have time to even work. Like we were in meetings all week and then we do, we pair it back. We, you know, we've, um, we smattered some meetings throughout and we were like, okay, well let's, let's bundle it all in Mondays and Thursdays now to like, so that Tuesday, Wednesdays and Fridays, we can be productive. Right. So there's always this like reanalyzing, um, reshifting, of, of meetings, how much time these meetings are taking. Can we consolidate, put these two meetings into one meeting? Um, constantly looking at it. Because you're seeing the value of time. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. And then I guess the last quote. Uh, it's less important that you decide than it is. <coughs> sorry. It's less important what you decide than it is that you do decide. More is lost by indecision than by the wrong decisions. Yeah. So true. paralysis by analysis. Yeah, that's right. right. And, and that's something that, you know, we're trying to constantly um, get through to the team, you know, when there's, uh, you know, the classic guys kind of standing around on a job site looking at something and burning through hours and hemming and hawing about what the approach to take. It's, 
and you know, worst case scenario is you, you make a mistake, but then you learn from it, and you don't do it again. So yeah. long term, it's super valuable. Yeah. Right. Cool. Uh, where are we going on now? I'm trying to, I briefly looked at the presentation. Uh, I can't remember what I had next. What's the next slide there? Okay. There. Uh, so now we're, now you guys are actually in full tilt on growth, right? Now you, you're figuring out what is going to happen in the next for a little while, right? Yep. Yep. And, uh, I kind of put this together, um, to try and kind of explain the, the, the framework of how we've approached being able to grow. So, for us, um, the first thing we did was put together a system for systems. And what I mean by that is um, you need some sort of, you know, process or document where ideas can land that you can look at um, again and again. So for us, it was, uh, it was a document that we called our, our Monday morning agenda. Okay. So, so the first meeting we ever implemented was a Monday morning production meeting at 7 a.m. And we just had a Word doc that had, uh, you know, everything from, the weather for the week to upcoming uh, stat holidays, um, people's vacations, company events, to uh, discussion points like, hey, does any equipment need to be moved this week? Um, to, hey, get your timesheets done. Mm-hmm. Um, any number of different issues of the day, right? So it was, it was a system so that like when somebody had a light bulb go off and, hey, that's a good idea, we could, we could put it on there and then we get reminded every Monday morning about it so you instill it yep it just gets ingrained yep. in the in the culture right? consistency is everything yes right? so that was kind of our first system for systems it's kind of it's kind of been built upon since then um but in there you know you can tag things um you, you can tag deadlines and dates to you know example timesheets got to be done daily um you know this has to be done by this time this is who's doing it this is who's accountable for it uh, and then there's, you know, group buy-in into that type of thing. Um, part, of the, part of the hardest part of growth, I think, is not necessarily coming up with the ideas, but it's actually implementing it successfully. Yeah. Um, an so idea, I mean, an idea is nothing unless you actually... Exactly. You know what I'm loving, Doug, is that I'm, I'm seeing all this stuff that you guys are, are implementing, you're building, and you're having meetings about, and there's hardly any talk about swinging a hammer. Right. Like, I love that. And I, I've always been a I'm huge... I'm not the hammer guy. No, I know, but it, or the tool belt or whatever, right? The skit's there. But, I mean, it's like, there, it's not about... It's a given. You guys are building a culture, like you're building a team that already knows that part, and they will advance their skills on that yep. part. It's the paper part of the industry that really lags, right? Yeah. So I, I, I see all this, and I'm looking at it, and where it's growing and how you grew. And it wasn't a, a mention about, oh, we got a better hammer for you know just like for uh you know just expressing it that way but it's really about the paper about understanding the business part yeah that's hugely valuable and it's slow it's very very it's not a quick climb no no you can't you can't just go from owner operator to like having three or four meetings a week and implementing system like it's it's baby steps for sure well that's Um, how you keep them that's right in the in the business right that's right okay no so i love that i just wanted to say that so now yeah so implementation is hard and, and without that system behind it it's it's next to impossible because it's like any habit you're trying to build. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna do pretty well the first week while you got that motivation and that momentum, and then it's gonna fall off. Yeah, of course. Right. It will. So, framing a system, really kind of peeling the onion on that particular issue or intention or or whatever it is, understanding it, implementing a a framework around it, um, and then accountability is huge to keep that 
to keep that rolling. So, you know, I mentioned that I've been part of a peer group for the better part of a decade. Um, there's accountability with that. You know, we, we meet, uh, we meet quarterly in that peer group and, and those guys, you know, I've, I've made, um, commitments to them for, this is what I'm going to do in the next quarter. They're going to hold me to it. Um, business partners, again, you know, we, we kind of went through that. The moment I kind of brought on James and Adam, I couldn't be that irrational dictator as an, as an owner operator and just make up ideas and make people do them. Right. There was, um, it was a sounding board. There was other voices of reason. Uh, and they did the same for you. Totally. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Some people go out and get a mentor. Um, I haven't pushed hard in that, in my journey. Um, but I certainly have, you know, picked the brains of other like-minded business owners when I can. Um, Are they out there? Like, I know that a lot of the older, mm-hmm. um, like you're still, you're in your thirties, right? Yep. Yeah. And same with James and uh, yep. all three guys. Right. Yep. And, yep. um, uh, are there, there like the 50, the sixties, the 70 year old trades people yep. out there. Are they out there willing to share? A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, it's about asking. Yes. And it's about, it's about, um, being respectful and being somebody that they can respect and, and want to, uh, kind of take the curtain back and show you some of that secret sauce. Um, I think you have to show like the, the willingness to learn, to listen and that type of thing. But yeah, they're, they're totally out there. Yeah. They're the same as you and me. Yeah. All owner, all owner operators kind of have that, have that same drive. Um, I mean, obviously you're going to bump into some people that are very protectionist with their, you know, financials or information, but I haven't run into a whole lot. I think the ones that do want to share will actually share and they're not afraid of sharing the financials or any other details of their business because it's what's worked for them. Yeah. And they either handed it off to uh, a child of theirs or a friend of theirs. And yeah. they, and I think people in the industry want to do that. Yeah. Generally speaking, the ones that are just shady, shady, don't want to, don't care to, because they've done questionable things. Yeah. Right. So when I think there's also the two sides of the fence where the people that are very secretive about their stuff are the people that um, got to that wall of owner operator and didn't, didn't push through it. And that's probably why they didn't get through it. Yeah. Right. Whereas people that have gone through that and have built a team and been successful, uh, they understand that, you know, they needed to get information, they needed to share information, they needed to, you know, discuss things openly in order to get to that point. So when somebody else approaches them and says, you know, how, you know, how'd you do it? Do you have any tips for me? Um, Yeah. Yeah, man. What do you want to know? It's kind of sad that the majority of the industry sees and feels that wall and stops at that wall. They don't think that their brand I always joked in the first year of construction, I always joked about, and it's not a joke. I always said, your brand could be as big as Apple. Your brand could be as big as Nike. Yep. It could be like, it's just how you want to do it. It doesn't have to stop at a certain right. point. You right. just have to figure out how to make it keep moving. Yeah. And that's what you guys are doing here, right? Yep. Too. Yeah, trying our best. Yeah, no, it's yep. good. Cool. Yeah. So the accountability and the mentor and then business coaching, which falls in the same thing kind of idea as well, right? Yeah, we've, uh, we've been really successful with a business coach over the last couple of years. Um, and again, it's all about accountability. Um, you know, obviously he brings some some IP to the table, some systems, uh, some suggestions, some past experience. But it's it's more about, you know, the recurring meetings with him and him holding us um, accountable to, you know, the work we said we were going to do on the business. So there's a number of different levers and, you know, some of those different levers will work better or worse for, other, for different people. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, it's the system focusing on the implementation and then accountability. It's it's all, it's all three. You need all three. So I guess you're going to get the younger gen and they're going to be thinking, this is a lot of time, a lot of money. 
But like you said, it's baby steps. You don't have to implement every single detail of this. You guys have been yep. implementing this since 2015, 2016. Yep. That's when it started to grow. So it's been a while yeah. that this has been going yep. on. So don't anybody who's listening, don't look at it like, tomorrow I got to get all these things, all these ducks. No, of course. that's not how it's going to work, yeah. right? You have to do it slowly. Trial and error too, right? A lot of Figure it. Figure out what works. Yep. And, and you might meet a business coach. You might not be on the same path, so That's right. that might not be the right person yep. for you. So, yep. and then you might speak to a seasoned, a retired tradesperson, and they might be grim, grumpy and they don't want to speak to you, and that yep. might not be the right person either. So, door knocking, man, it goes yep. right back to just. So, what if you got to know once? So, come on, we're in construction, man. How many no's have you gotten in your career? Yeah. Like, yeah. you just you, you keep on getting them. That's right. You just keep going past right. them. Yeah. So it's important. Uh, you got yeah, some, it's one thing at a time. You just keep building it out. That's all it is, yeah. man. Uh, okay, past books. Uh, yeah, so we've got a book club at Frontiers, as corny as that is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's not actually as, as part of our quarterly meetings, where the, it's it's company wide quarterly meeting. Uh, we ask the guys to read a book, um, and these these are some of the top ones that we've read that have been um, influential in uh, things we do at Frontiers. So the Great Game of Business is, uh, you know, if, I think if you ask a lot of um, a lot of business people, a lot of really successful business people, this might be one that they've read. Uh, the Great Game of Business is all about open book management and really kind of pulling that curtain back from your business and integrating your your staff. Yeah, it's about you know showing them the financials top to bottom so they can make decisions so they understand the basics of the business. You're asking the whole team to do this. Yeah. Oh wow. Everybody. Actually, I love uh, when we hire somebody. Their first day is one of our quarterly meetings. That's worked out. Uh, more often than not. Okay. So their first day, they show up where we're like, you know, sitting in the wood shop, all 20 of us, and, and talking about all this kind of stuff, and they're just, they're mind-blown. Yeah. Intimidating. Yeah. But, but they love it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and it just shows that, like, it's culture first, right? Yeah. I love uh, that. <clears throat> Atomic Habits. Read it. Love it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, when I read that, it really kind of taught me about myself. And um, I, I struggle with breaking bad habits, implementing new habits. So it kind of gave me some of the nuances of how to change myself right what got you here won't get you there um yeah so so that was helpful for me personally i, th I think a lot of the other guys really enjoyed that as well uh check checklist manifesto um really good for systems and processes so a lot of the processes that james is crafting these days they're just big checklists uh so you know when we look at our pre-con we're going out to sites and we're asking a million different specific questions as opposed to kind of just winging it and having a casual conversation. Uh, you know, we've got punch lists for projects. Um, so there's, there's kind of a mindset of, you know, build a repeatable system once and continually add to it as you think of new things. But then, then you have that for your day to day and you're not going to forget stuff yeah. as often. So that was a good one operationally for us. Uh, the five dysfunctions of a team, a good one to really kind of, um, provide an understanding of how people are different, what makes other people tick and how to work with other people that are different than you. So that was one of our first hurdles too, where, you know, there's a lot of different personalities in the room and there was, you know, some unspoken stuff going on and a little bit of resentment building here and there um, across the board. And it was about, you know, getting really candid with our discussions and feedback with each other and, and understanding that, you know, this guy's different than this guy. And these are the reasons he's kind of doing these things, or these are the reasons that he approaches this, this way that might piss you off a little bit, but Hey, I understand him a little bit more and you might not be pissed off. Yeah. Right. 
um, provide feedback that, you know, he's doing this and, you know, he might be able to change for the better. I like that. Uh, Extreme Ownership. Jackal, yeah. It's a yep. great book. Read that one. Mm-hmm. Yep. That makes one. you wake up. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Fun book. It is. Hard um, book. Yep. It's just, yeah. But all about really kind of taking accountability. I think um, not a lot of people understand, like, the, the, the concept of leading up. So instilling in in the team that, hey, if you need something from somebody, you need to ask for it. So I think that was a big thing for us because as we as we really grew, I wasn't providing my guys on the landscape team all the, all the things that they needed, and I was still micromanaging a little bit. I, I mean, I still do today. Um, and, you know, telling them that, hey, they need to tell me to get off their job site, and, hey, Doug, I need more detailed plans, and and that type of thing. Communication. So leading up, leading sideways, leading down. Yeah. Just, um, you know, not having excuses. Just just doing it, right, and figuring it out. Um, no Rules Rules. Uh, so this is a book by Netflix, actually, about, about their culture. Okay. Um, <clears throat> some items from there were, uh, you know, smaller items, but still impactful. The concept of unlimited vacation. We love that. Um it's a good recruitment tool. Um, but w- I think when people see unlimited vacation, they're like, oh, how do they do that? Like, you know, their guys must be off for like six or eight months a year. But I mean, guys want to work, yes. right? They want their hours. They want to get paid. Um, if they love what they do, they, they want to be at work. But it's about it's about the flexibility of vacation, allowing them to, uh, you know, schedule their own vacation. Um, obviously, it's got to be part of a, part of a system, but um, allowing people to have lives, too. And especially at Frontiers, as we grow from, you know, a bunch of 20-year-olds into a bunch of mid-30-year-olds, uh, you know, guys have houses and start Family kids mindset and, and things start to change. So it's, yeah. it's respecting that work-life balance. Um, Do you remember who wrote that? Yeah. That's not Hastings that wrote it, no, or somebody else? I, I don't recall. Okay. But yeah, it's from Netflix. Okay. <clears throat> I got it. Cool. I haven't, I haven't I'll look that one yeah. up. All right. So we kind of like every quarterly meeting, we're trying to think, you know, what's the big next thing we got to tackle or what's what's kind of the most what's the highest on the priority list? And we try and find a book that kind of speaks to that. And everyone's sharing passages. Everyone's bringing it to the table saying this is what I'm currently reading. And this is an interesting passage that I came across. And I think that it's relevant to us. Yeah. So, I mean, that section of our quarterly meeting, it usually runs about an hour. Um, I'll, I'll kind of run through a summary of the book highlights. Uh, and then we'll just go around the room and what, w- what was your biggest takeaway from the book and how does that apply to your daily life or frontiers? Um, how did you, how do you apply it personally or professionally? And everybody just gets to talk. I don't know any construction company that's doing that. Yeah, it's other good. Other than you guys, right? Which is really a good idea. Yep. Awesome. It's good stuff. All right. Now we got. Yeah. And I just, in, in case we kind of wanted to get into some organizational stuff, I, I threw in some org charts. But no, this is great. I mean, you want to just run us down yeah. through all this. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, so this is uh, um, kind of where we at, where we're at with our, our previous plateau. Um, you know, you can see see a lot of the crossovers there from landscape division management and, and homes division management. So that's James and I, and we're trying to you know split that as, as we move forward. So if you go to the next slide, this is this is where we're really trying to get at now, with elevating our foreman to PMs, um, having that foreman precon team, and uh, really kind of. Um, define roles very specifically and get get people into them. Um, reduce some of the clutter and the overlap in roles so that we can we can backfill uh, with people that you know uh, we can give cl- 
clear guidelines too. Yeah. And Is then, it working? Yeah, I mean, slow and steady. Okay. We're, we're in the midst of this chaos for sure. And this was a collective, Doug? Like you guys are all sitting down and taking from what you can, from all the meetings, from the peer groups, yep. mentor, business coach, and you guys are all putting it together and creating this. This yep. is this is the Frontiers mindset now. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I end up putting a lot of this stuff together and then we review it uh, as a group. Yeah. Often like James and Adam and I will sit down and uh, you know chat about it. All this stuff always ends up in the PowerPoint for our quarterly meetings where everybody sees so yep. they can kind of keep an eye on, oh, this is our vision, this is where we're headed. You got to do that stuff quarterly because guys will forget about it. Oh, I love it that you're organizing it that way. So next slide here now. Yeah, and then this is kind of future. This is kind of five years out, the, the current plan of attack, which is always evolving. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what we're shooting for, or our thoughts at the moment at least. It's going to get big. It's going to get manageable. A little bigger, but slow yeah. and steady. Like, I mean, this is five years from now. We're going, we're maybe going to be going from like 20 people to maybe 30 people, um, but still, you know, doubling in size. And I guess somewhere in there, are you guys also looking at each other, the three partners and pulling back? So if I'm committed to whatever all three of you guys are committed to an eight hour day, when this starts to grow, your eight hour day starts to get shorter. So now you can have your own private family time and personal yeah. time, right? Yep. That's the, that's part. Of, it's not in the chart. It's not a part of the whole process, but all three of you guys are looking at that as owners of the business, yeah, 100%. right? Yep. That's, that's key, right? Yep. Um, yeah. I think the more you can define roles and the more you can get people include, including myself into very specific roles that they can focus on, you get more flexibility with your work-life balance. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, somebody's got to, got to get the job done. Too, yeah, right. So it's it's do. elevating the production staff uh, to be killing it out there, right, on, it, on their own. Is it Doug? Is it um, is it stoppable? Like once you get this and you start implementing everything, and you're creating a four a person, another four person, another four, and now you've got a system going on. Technically speaking, it could just keep on growing on its own, and you guys could just be feeding that machine a yep. little bit yeah yeah i mean i think by default like the more organized you get and the more structured you get the more scalable it is um but our thoughts are you know we don't want to get big we don't want to push volume we want to push innovation and quality so where that takes us i'm not 100 percent certain um at the moment we we like the idea of you know five houses a year maybe it's maybe it's five to ten houses a year uh but we're not building 500 or a thousand houses a year. Yeah. We're not, we're not going to become a production build. That's not our passion. But if you can grow a passionate, sustainable business where it's like you're growing uh, maybe five and then next year, 10, yep. 15, you never want to get to a hundred. You kind of get to a nice level yep. at that point. You've handed it off to somebody else and yep. now you're enjoying, you guys can be diving into something else yep. at that point. Right. Right. But uh, I mean, Hey, like, I mean, if, if 15, 20 years from now, if, if the market awareness is there and the, you know, the building code is there and we're doing, really high performance communities, like truly. Yeah. Maybe we're doing small communities because that would then be in alignment with our core values and our, and our vision. I don't know. That's a long time away. It could be there. And I, I was going to ask you, cause I want to touch upon a little bit about the, the high performance and the passive. You want to give us an idea of just percentage wise, if you were to just build a comparable house, that's quality, but not as high performance. What's the increase in cost for, for clients down there to get a better, like a fair understanding of what it's going to cost more yep. to go that route? We're trying to figure this out. Okay. Uh, you know, we're, we're ballparking it at 
Okay. Um, just based on some of the, you know, the performance elements like, um, you know, additional insulation and additional manpower to, to do that shell, to get it tight, tight, like a submarine. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're still, we're still in that minutiae of the proof of concept. We're trying to figure out, we have a good idea of like how we want to do these because there's a million ways to skin a cat. Um, we're currently, currently working on a couple, obviously we're going to learn from that and figure it out. But yeah, the reality is it, it, it's a premium, right? You're getting a more robust. It's like anything. It's like buying a performance car yeah. versus a production car. It's, it's going to be more expensive. So we've identified that because it is that whatever it is, 15%, 20% more expensive, hopefully it's not 20. Um, but at, at new construction, it's that number. If it's yeah. a, if it's an existing building, you're trying to retro at that point, it becomes dramatically Yeah, that's higher. a different ballgame. Yeah, yeah, it's different. But in order to sell that uh, premium price tag, there's a lot of market education that needs to go on. So we're, we're trying to determine with our marketing, you know, how do we educate the buyer to... Um, to the value values that they'll appreciate. Um, so, you know, the fact that they're quiet, that they're comfortable, that they're healthy, right? Um, all these all these buzzwords that you see in the high performance realm these days. Focusing on that as opposed to, you know, the, the fact that it's four bedroom, three bathroom and 3,000 square feet. Because <laughs> if you go that route, you're just up against the next well-built house. That's all you are. Yeah, I know. Right. I, I've got a few shows coming up that we are going to talk about passive. We are going to talk about high awesome. performance and, um, and I'm looking forward to them because that's always a conversation yep. that I've always been interested in. I, in. My first year of construction being invited to boots on the ground through blue green group and rubbing shoulders with people that are in this industry yep. trying to figure out things. And it just, uh, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I just feel that um, the corporations are getting in our way and it's almost, I don't think that there's one single corporation out there that develops products for the entire home. And, and they somehow want to make all of their product line fit the entire home. And they don't want conflicting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, it, and it kind mm -hmm. of bothers me because now you're losing sight of the objective here. So I, I, I'm almost of the mind, I'd rather use one product because it's the best one for this. Right. And then use a different product, a different brand for yep. because it's the best one for that. Yep. And then you're creating the, pro the, the perfect uh, you know, passive at that point, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's where we're at. We're sourcing a number of different items from all over the place in order to put it together to, you know, to be a package. But, uh, you know, I anticipate in the next, you know, two, three years, once, we, once we've gotten through a few of these, we're going to figure out our, our prototype, our, our model, our approach on this um and i mean it's really james that you need to speak to on the tech because you'll have more right so you, but you guys are doing a lot of r d yeah right yeah. you guys are out there and taking a look at things and what's yep. going on yeah yep. you have to i mean like all of our like we're doing an immense amount of like detailing and uh with critical junctions and drawing up our own proprietary details on um you know for these first couple of houses we're building that'll be reusable um but yeah a ton of r d ton of trial and error you got suppliers coming out and doing you know mock-ups with us and showing us how some of their stuff works and mock-ups are nice but they're never real world yep like that's the thing is that you always have to factor in it's like building you know this like yep. it's custom is custom it's yep. nobody's done it before so we really don't know exactly in theory this is what how it should perform right but uh, you know we really don't know until we actually do it and then you'll find little faults and then you totally. correct them yep right and that's how you 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 grow and you do it and it's always nice to hit a certain you know, milestone when you want to do that because yep. it achieves it. And I mean, with that energy and everything costing more, it's beneficial to the homeowner uh, in the long run. If they're deciding that this is going to be a home that we're going to stay here for till the kids grow up, until we kick them out or yeah, whatever. Yeah, well, that's another thing. Yeah. I mean, we're with the, with the chaos in the real estate market the last, you know, decade, people kind of envision living in a house for like five to 10 years. 
right? And then they're on to the next one they're upgrading. So I think like as real estate prices increase and, peop- and, and houses become more expensive continually, people, people's mindsets have to shift to, you know, hey, I am going to stay here for 20, 30 years, or at least that's my current intention. And that therefore justifies high performance because I'm going to get my return on it, right? So I don't think we're there yet. No. Um, I think like the niche we're trying to carve right now with like low volume, high quality, it, it's going it, to, it's really for 10 years from now. 10, 15 years from now, um, but we're just trying to, you know, be ahead of the game and uh, and kind of grow with the market. What's nice is that you guys will be synonymous with have a conversation with Frontiers because they've actually right. tackled it and they're conscious of it. So it's worth having a conversation yep. with them and then possibly yep. hiring them, maybe not now, but hiring them three years down the line yep. so they get on the schedule, right? Well, that, that's the thing with some of this stuff is that, like, you can't just be a builder and say, um, say somebody approaches you and says, I want to build a pacifist. Like, you can't just just go do it. It's like, like a it's a couple statement, right? It's yeah. a couple of years of R and D. I yeah. mean, if you want to get, you know, uh, passive house certified, like as a designer or tradesperson, you got to take the courses, you got to write the tests, um, ton of trial and error, ton of R and D, uh, a lot of figuring it out on the fly. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's like from the time you consciously say like, Hey, I'm going to figure out high performance. It's a couple of years before you're, you know, really understanding it. Yeah. Cool. Where do you want to go from here now? I know that you yeah, guys built the business from hardscaping, right? Outdoor. Yep. Um, yeah, I just threw a couple photos up here of you know recent projects we've been working on. Um, it's been a nice summer. Yeah. Right? It's been a nice fall. Yep. Dry right. summer. Yeah, dry summer. a very dry summer, but it's um, winter's coming. Yep. But that doesn't stop you guys. No. no we, j- we, we shift focus from being heavy on landscape to heavy on renovation. Okay. In the winter to kind of keep things going. That's very nice. But, uh, yeah. I like that there's color. Right. <laughs> Wood in color and I'm smiling. I mean, it just it's a beautiful kitchen. That worked out great. Uh, and then yeah, everyone wants a pool, huh? Yep. Does any have you guys done a black line pool ever? Black liner? Yeah. Uh, you know, these days a lot of pool liners we're putting in are like a medium gray, which gives you that really natural watercolor. I like medium gray. I just never liked the blue. It, I totally. Don't know. I don't know why. I agree. But but I guess black line is just people are nervous that they can't see it. And that's right. It's a horror movie at that yep. point, right? So no, we haven't gone super dark. Okay. Um, but a lot of people are going for that kind of charcoal gray type thing. It's nice and clean cut. Makes makes a vinyl liner pool or a fiberglass pool look a little bit more like a concrete pool, which is, you know, higher end. Which is what you want, yeah. And then what's the stone of choice that everyone's asking for these days? Like, what's what have you guys been doing? Kind of a mix. We really try and, you know, uh, apply a material that works for the client. Yeah. Um, so whether it's a natural stone or a man-made product. Um you know, it's our job to bring quality product to the table, sort through the garbage that's out there. Um, but yeah, it's really, really kind of the what what style the client wants. So, most uh, often these days, it's still most of our most of our patios are a man-made product, whether that's you know a techo block or Unilock or yeah, that type of thing. What are you guys leaning? Uh, Unilock's grown quite a bit since the the good old days there. The yeah, classic. Well, they're, they're the original. Yeah, the the herringbone, whatever they call yep. that stone there, right? That yep. we we've seen in every place that possible, right? Yep. But um and then that's a nice little wine cellar yeah yeah we uh (laughs) actually james is good friends with these people even still to this day we uh um yeah we do some fun projects a lot a lot of pride in what we do no for sure right right through yeah these are all within the last kind of two seasons yeah It's so different that, you know, we, we do both too, right? 
there aren't that many companies yeah. that do that because it's uh it, the hat shifting is quite dramatic right yeah well fortunately like with you know with james and i um he can wear that hat and i can wear this hat right? yeah yeah and i've got adam on, on my do you guys side ever too, so. overstep or <clears throat> does he ever try to come in no uh and vice versa not, not a lot okay no i i kind of i really stick away from the renovations um james james is the craftsman so he'll he'll step into landscapes when we're kind of driving at you know doing something better trying to figure out some innovation but uh kind of while i'm in the back end working on the business moving some dials yeah but uh, no it's it's good we the three of us work really well together and where's adam's focus on i mean if you're, you're yeah, so adam's my right hand man so okay. that allows me to kind of or it has allowed me the last kind of seven years to kind of step into the back realm and, and work on the business. So Adam kind of, Adam and I kind of approach the landscape as, as a bit of a team. And then James is doing, doing the renovation stuff and the home stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm always impressed with hardscape and landscaping companies because you guys always have the biggest tools in the toolbox, right? right? And maintenance of these biggest tools, yeah. right? So yeah. it's just, but I know Adam is mechanic, right? So he actually, you guys got an inside man at that point, right? Yeah. So I mean, he's not a true mechanic. No, but, 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 again, but he can tinker with everything. And then sure. it's not a matter of something's down and then production's yeah. down. It's just get Adam and he'll come in here yeah. and take care of it, right? Yeah, uh, which is tough because, I mean, he doesn't have, always have the time to stay on to top do of it. all that stuff. Yeah, for but, sure. Uh, so that's something like we're trying to work that out. You know, who's who's in charge of the yard? Who's in charge of the equipment? Um, who's doing that regular monthly maintenance? You know, we're, we can't really quite afford a full-time mechanic right now. So you know, who's doing it internally? Adam's got a lot on his plate, so, you know, is it worth his time, you know, changing air filters in a stone saw? Um, that's, a, that's another tough one that we kind of kind of waffle on a little bit. Changing an air filter in a stone saw? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a guy change an air filter right. in a stone saw. Right. <laughs> it's supposed to be done. It's supposed to be supposed done. To be that's done. part of maintenance yeah. is what it is. Exactly. Huh? What else you want to share there, Doug? Where else you want to go and talk about stuff? Uh, I know we talked a lot about stuff uh, on the business and growing it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of all I prepped for today. Okay. But, uh, I don't know if you have any other questions. Or? No, I mean, I, I I love where the business is going. I love that you guys are slowly becoming a school, so to speak. Yep. Because you're embracing people coming in, uh, whether they're old or they're established and they're coming from a different business or whatever. Yep. And then you guys have this mindset where they come in and go, this is how the frontiers is all about. Yep. And then they see the value attached to it, right? Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. I've never really kind of labeled it as a, as a school, but that's... I've always said that every tradesperson is a teacher, right? It's it just that it, it, whether you are or not, it's just like, I never thought of myself that way, yeah. but you start sharing certain things. And before you know it, you're, you're teaching, you're educating. Yeah. And I think like all the mentors, all the business coaches, everybody that's in the, once you've done your tour, I guess, in construction, you should leave something behind, yep. you know, and, and give it back and then let them figure out how to improve that nugget of knowledge totally. that you've given them. Right. Yeah. And I just, I, I wanted to do this show with you because the thing is, I think a lot of people, first of all, much respect for you for sharing this information because you know this. Yep. Construction don't share. Yep. Like when it comes to the financial, the paper, the the growth, the ideas, how can we move forward? They don't share. Right. They The majority of the industry doesn't yeah, share. It's too bad because, I mean, we all benefit when we share. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, it's it's great that you're sharing and, and showing all this stuff. And then the whole point was to see the younger generation going, there's a potential. Right. It's not like burn your bridge and drop everything and then yep. leave and then start doing this. That's not the move to do. Because guess what? Again, like we said at the very beginning, there's no lone person building a construction yep. brand. It's a team. Yeah, you can only take it so far. Yeah. By yourself, for sure. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to the day when I can like, 
you know, be a mentor first and foremost, not only to my team, but like, you know, the, the construction industry at large. I kind of envision, you know, when I'm, you know, 50 or 60 and I don't really have to work too hard anymore, you know, what am I going to do? You know, am I going to do a little bit of coaching or am I going to do a little bit of mentoring? Um, or is it just, you know, focusing on, you know, being that leader for, for frontiers and, and mentoring the guys and having feedback chats. And, but, uh, you know, that, that's really kind of compelling for me to, yeah. to have that kind of long-term goal to, to, to be that mentor. Um, that's kind of my target. And James and Adam are probably on the same path, yeah. right? Yeah. Same idea. Yeah. Are you starting to see it in the crew? Some of the guys that have been you with you for uh, probably, I guess, closer to the beginning part of it? Yeah. Yeah, where, where we're really starting to see is... Um, is the buy-in to, you know, training the next level, training the next generation. Because as these guys move into, you know, mid-level management, project management, um, they understand that, you know, they have to be backfilled with quality people, right? So there is a lot of that uh, understanding of, um, hey, we got to teach these how, these guys how to do it right. we got to teach these guys how to communicate internally to the clients. Um, we got to encourage them that, you know, this is a career, um, it's not a job that they don't need to, you know, move on to something bigger and better and sit in front of a computer nine till five. Um, yeah, we, with our core group that, you know, you met last time, last time we did this, yeah. they are getting it. Are they, uh, I'm trying to figure out guys in your neck of the woods. Are they different than guys, uh, in Toronto, I guess in a bigger city or that are they similar? I'd have to think that they're similar. Um, there's gotta be a common thread. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, one of our, one of our carpenters, one of our lead com- carpenters, who's now a, a PM, he moved from Toronto to Guelph and we, he, um, actually our business coach referred him to us. Um, and yeah, he's, he's just like us. He, you know, worked in Toronto his whole career in carpentry. Now he's with us and it's, it's kind of the same old thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why there would really be any difference. Um, but I think that, I think the big thing is, is, you know, defining your culture, defining who you're looking for and, and going out and finding that person. Cause I mean, really they're everywhere. It's funny. I mean, I don't know if you saw the show, but we did a show with Saskia out of Belgium and she's a carpenter and very similar problems that we have here. And she's, you know, in, in Belgium there and similar problems. And I'm yep. like, uh, I'm looking forward to expanding the shows and going further than our local area, further than Canada and speaking to people. But right. I think that there will be a common thread going throughout everybody that's in the industry. Yeah, you're probably right. Right. And, and, but also seeing if they actually have figured out certain ways of doing things differently, which yep. I really embrace. Right. Yeah. Um, where are you guys seeing? Like, I mean, is there still you guys are all the same tools? I'm trying to remember last time what it was, what color you guys were. Or was it all yellow? It was all yellow. That's what yeah. I thought it was. And and so if if you get the new kid coming in and he's not yellow, what happens? Just a beating is like what's yeah, going no, on. Yeah, no, he just he, he gets the yellow stuff. <laughs> he thrown just gets at him, the yellow so. stuff reluctantly, right? Yep. But he still uses it. Yeah. And then everyone's driving <clears throat> what these days? Trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Dodge. It's all Dodge, right? Yeah. So I, so that's it. Everyone comes in. It's Dodge. Yep. And, yep. and that's coming from we like you. to stick to yeah stick to kind of one thing. Just loyal it, because it goes back to branding. Yep, All branding will show up, and yep. that's it. Yeah, branding, uh, you know, maintenance, and just you know, comfortable with the setup and, and that type of thing. Um, on on equipment, we love Kubota. All of our skid steers and excavators are all Kubota. Um, yeah, Plus, they have service right here, don't they? Like it's not that yeah, far. Yeah, all over the place. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's Kubota dealerships within kind of like half an hour everywhere. But uh, uh, we recently bought a uh, Merlot fifty thirty. 
uh, Roto. Okay. Big crane type. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we've got some posts on Instagram right now. Um, get starting to get that thing used uh, with the framing crew. Um, that was a big investment. You know, big game changer for us on that as we push into home construction. But uh, yeah, I think I think you, you stay consistent with with tools. You so said earlier that uh, you guys brought on two new designers. Yep. Uh, that's for both sides, uh, the the landscape, hardscape, and also the, the construction side of it. Yeah. So a year and a half ago, uh, we brought Mike in and he's predominantly focused on the renovations and new home construction. Um, okay. And then this earlier in the year, we brought, it, we brought in Drew. He's predominantly working on uh, landscape. What are they seeing trend-wise coming from the client's are we still seeing the clients asking for the same things, but then slightly different? Are we still seeing being influenced by the social media and trends or how are they working with the clients? And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a big mixed bag. Okay. We, again, we don't do a lot of volume. So um, I think it's maybe hard, harder for us to see macro trends, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we try and really get in tune with the client and figure out what works for them. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, similar products nothing nothing crazy um a lot of vinyl liner pools um the interiors i mean a lot of our stuff yeah if you look back through our photography a lot of a lot of natural woods a lot of that you know blue cabinetry on the island a lot of light countertops white countertops all the really popular stuff these days uh, just different variations of it and then the clients themselves so i, I love that you said that everyone's realizing that they're going to stay put for a little bit because they can't afford to move yeah. and they want to actually enjoy what they've owned. Um, are they talking to you guys and saying that, you know, we're going to stay here much longer than that, like 10 or 20 years, or we might even just stay there put. Yeah. I think a lot of our clients, because we do, most of our jobs are decent size. Um, they're putting a lot of money into this place and this is either their forever home or somewhere they're going to be relatively long-term. Uh, so yeah, we get that a lot, you know, and whether it's somebody that's either, um, got the cash in the, in the pocket, they've purchased a new property they want to make it their own, or whether it's somebody that's been in a home for five, 10 years and they've got a, a large amount of equity that they're going to tap into yeah, uh, to do their backyard or remodel their main floor or what have you. That seems to be kind of be the two, the two mainstays. We're, we're tapping into our equity or we're wealthy enough that we're just we're paying cash for it. Not a lot of people are borrowing money straight up. No, no. Yeah. This would be a bad move right totally. now to do that, but... Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, have you guys started to do rentals for repeat customers? Like they've already purchased one house, you did some work for them and then moved to another house, you did some work for them again? Uh, not a lot of that, but more so uh, say we've done the backyard and then two years later they want to do their main floor rental. Then you get in there. So it's, it's cross-selling internally. A lot of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the first few years of our renovation push was kind of tapping into my past clientele, my past landscape clientele to give James the leads. Um, that's how we kind of grew that. But yeah, it's a, a good, a healthy amount of cross-selling. Yeah. I remember I was having a conversation with Jim Carrick one time and he was telling me how, cause he's been in the business almost five decades. And he was telling me how he was recently hired to do a rental project, which was the son of a client of his that he did back in the nineties. And I just, when he said that to me, it just, what I thought was he actually established a brand. Like he actually created such roots that he had a happy client yep. 30 years prior and then established a well brand, strong brand in the industry to the point where that child from that client, I only want Jim to build this house. 
You know yeah. what I mean? And it wasn't like a rental. It wasn't yeah. a bathroom. It was like, I want Jim to build this house. Yep. And I think that's what a lot of yourselves and anybody that's in this industry, if you're building a brand, you should aspire to. Totally. Where your new clientele are, are being born. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden they will actually, you know, say, I want them to build my house in the yeah. future, right? Yeah. And that's where the client experience really kind of comes in because, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people out there that can build a good product, but it's the moment that you have like maybe a miscommunication and it could be with, oh, I thought I was getting this and you guys are doing this. Um, or, oh, I thought it was this price and it's now this price. Little things can just an, uh, annihilate that client experience. Yeah. Just on principle, right? Yeah. Uh, because people get emotional about it. This is, the, this is their home, right? So, uh, you know, working on the client experience to the best of your ability really kind of sets you up for that future cross-selling, that future repeat business, that referral 10, 15 years from now. It says something, right, yeah. about you and the team that you built, right? Yeah. Um, and I, you can't be perfect. You're always going to miss something. It's always going to miss something. It's just how it is. I know that we've been extremely positive on this, and I love it. And, and uh, But, I mean, I, and I've I strayed away from the segments of the show because I just want to stay focused yeah. on talking to you and what you guys are doing and how it's growing. And um, and But I do want to ask you about a, a particular current construction bone to pick. Is there anything negative going on right now in the industry Construction wise, I mean, I, outside of we already discussed quite a bit about, you know, interest rates and costs and supply chain and everything like that. But is there anything that's still going on right now that kind of bugging you guys? Uh, the only one comes to mind is um, is that uh, like the housing, housing industry in general, obviously, there's a lot of pressure, supply and demand. You know, we're not we're not building enough houses. Oh, for just as, as a, a community, right? Announced, right? So. I think uh, I think there's some of this happening right now, but legislation is coming down to try and fix the system a little bit. But I mean, man, the experience that I've had with cities and municipalities in trying to get them to understand context, to understand feasibility and cost and be supportive and be a partner in these projects, whether it's like an infill or, or what have you, you know, you speak to some of these people and it's like, they don't get it. They don't care. Uh, in, it's in short-sightedness, right? And Obviously, there's, you know, there's exceptions. There's a lot of great people in the public sector. There's a lot of really um, understandable and supportive people working there. But there's also a lot of people that are just there to kind of, you know, punch their ticket nine to five and, and you know, hide and have a cushy job with an Omer's pension. I don't and, disagree with you. I know. And I think it's, it's that coupled with a really inflated system uh, for developments, for applications, uh, a lot of fees, um, that some of this just needs to be reined in a little bit. Because, it, I mean, for, for a company like ours that's we're trying to get into the housing game, uh, they make it tough. They make it very tough. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, I don't get stressed out and dealing with some of these guys, um, you know, trying to get them to just be reasonable. It's like, man, like, why are you not helping me? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that, that's the bone I'm kind of currently fighting. I know that I just read recently that our provincial government, I guess, is going to be looking at uh, implementing next year uh, the approval of triplexes. So you can build yep. new triplexes on a lot. Yep. Um, so to, to, to kind of contribute to the housing shortage, That's because right. we know that they want 1.2 million new homes built in the next, I don't know how many years it is, right? Yep. And we're already at a shortfall for the amount of homes that we yep. need right now for everybody yep. that's coming into Canada. Do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea when you start doing that triplex and permitting and separating multi? Yeah, and I think it's all, uh, in, in general, I think it's a great idea, um, but it's got to be managed properly. You know, where that, where that might help is, um, you know, when we look at 
uh, people doing these tiny homes in backyards. Yes. It allows in a situation where maybe there's a house where there's already an accessory dwelling in the basement, say it's a, uh, an accessory apartment for rental. Well, there's already two dwellings on the house, preventing them from then doing an accessory dwelling in the backyard. Yeah. Now, if they can do three, uh, maybe people that, you know, have done that basement rental and they understand the concept of, you know, return on their investment and they have that um, mindset to you know, want to do more of that, uh, they can now do that third unit in their backyard. I guess it's the policing. I, I don't, yeah. I mean, with any new idea, there's going to be jokers attached to it and they might want to cut corners sure. and then all of a sudden there'll be faults and then negatives attached to it. And then they're going to be like, well, this is all turning into a bad idea now. Yeah. But maybe it just needs to be uh, policed by real tradespeople instead of people that are not in the industry. Because I know that a lot of the government people that are actually saying what's going to happen to the industry are not really from the industry. Right. They don't have the experience in the industry. So it's a kind of a shame, right, at yep. that point. So I, I always said, listen, if you want to know more about the construction industry, how about asking the construction industry? Yep. Instead of just you figuring out, well, this is what I think the construction industry is thinking. Yep. That's the wrong way to go yep. about it. And yeah, so it's interesting we bring this up because uh, actually last night I was at a Guelph District Home Builders Association dinner um, and the new CEO of the Ontario Home Builders Association came to speak to us. And he was talking about this specifically about the new legislation that I think just uh, went through yesterday or I think got, so, yeah. got approval yeah. yesterday in some shape or form. It's really trying to tackle these issues in a bold way. Um, so, I mean, obviously we'll see. We're optimistic. We're optimistic. But, you know, he was speaking to points like um, freezing development charges uh, limiting municipalities' ability to, say, like parkland dedication fees, limiting their ability to say, oh, it's 5000 now, tomorrow it's going to be 25000 Yeah. Um, you know, things like removing barriers for infrastructure and servicing. Because there's builders out there that have lots that are ready to go, but there's no sanitary, there's no water, and they can't do anything. So it just right? sits. Um, conservation authorities. Uh, you know, this is a super contentious issue right now bringing conservation authorities back to just managing floodplains, taking authority away and just giving them commenting power again. I, personally, they have too much power. I just... Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of protecting our natural heritage. Of course, but it's got to be done in a way that is still feasible and supports uh, progress and supports development. Yeah. Proper development. Yeah. Right? Um, we'll just, I guess time will just tell, right? Yeah. We'll see what happens. I mean, they're trying to implement this for next year. Yeah. So uh, next year is going to be an interesting year yeah. for everybody. Like we don't, there's a lot of uncertainty. I guess the last two years, it was a lot of work, which is great. But next year is a big question mark. Yeah. So we really don't know. And it's good that our government is speaking about doing things, yeah. but government is notorious for not doing things. Right. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens, yep. right? Yeah, I mean, we can hope for the best. That's all but you I mean, do. naturally, as this legislation uh, evolves, it, it, it's going to take a while for it to filter down into municipal bylaws. Because, you know, changing municipal bylaws takes time. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, it's the long game, and hopefully we're pointed in the right direction. But, uh, and hopefully it kind of coincides with, the, you know, the, the economy kind of writing itself, and, and then we're off to the races. Hopefully. Doug, yeah. thank you so much. I want to do the 12 questions with you again. Sure. Uh, I want everybody to remind them. Uh, Frontiers Design Build, www.frontiersdesignbuild.com, and it's frontiersla at gmail.com to reach out to them. And also on Instagram, it's, it's frontiers underscore design. Yeah, frontiers underscore design build. Design build, that's right. Yeah. Uh, thank you, man. Uh, so yeah, here's the 12 questions again. Uh, what is your favorite construction word? Construction word. word. Shoot, I didn't prepare for this. <laughs> Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot. 
Um, I don't even remember what you were saying last time because we went through the whole team last time, right? We so, did. Yeah. Favorite construction word. Uh, man, it's just got to be like, get it done. Get it done. Least favorite construction word. Um, hmm. Should have had this list before. <laughs> I sent it to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, least, con- least favorite. Take your time. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not really a good answer, but I just, I, I don't like complaining. I mean, if you've got a, if you've got a bone to pick or if you've got an issue, like, man, just let's talk. My mindset right? these days is if someone's just negative or complaining, I just ask them, is that moving us forward? Totally. And I'm like, if it's not moving us forward, yeah. then I'm not interested in continuing this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to stay stagnant and stay right here and just be negative right. and complain, I want to move forward. Yeah. That's it. So I guess my answer to that is actually like not saying anything, Clam, <laughs> clamming up. When you get that person that's kind of staring at you and you know, that you know they're frustrated and not saying anything. Yeah, yeah. Grinds what, my gears. What turns you on in construction? Uh, equipment. I love, uh, you know, when I, um, when I want to, uh, you know, just get out of the office and, um, you know, go be a pain on job sites. It's just. You know, jumping in that excavator and it skits here put, puts a smile on my face. You need a special horn so when your Dodge shows up on the job yep. site, you could just hit the horn and yep. they're like, "Oh, dog's here." Yeah, that means he wants to get into this. Right. <laughs> then they know how yep. to react to you. Let's appease him for you know an hour and then tell him to go away. <laughs> and then get out of here. Yep. Somebody call him. Somebody page him. Right. What is your uh, what turns you off in construction? Uh man, sloppy work. Yeah, um, I was uh, looking at a job site today where we're 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 going to do somebody's front yard and, and next door just got done and it was just Bad. shameful. Yeah, shameful, just it depressing. Was, man, it was just quick and quick and dirty and uh, clearly a lack of understanding of um, the basic fundamentals of construction and just I mean somebody paid for it. So I just feel I feel so bad for people that you know pay for work that's just um, clearly going to fall apart in a week. That's you don't bad. see it too often, but it's like, man, when you see it, it's just, it's heartbreaking. What's your favorite curse word? Favorite curse word. A good, a good fuck. That's F A C K. Yeah. The construction version. Right. Uh, what's your favorite vehicle in the entire world? It's got to be my Ram. Yeah. Which one is it that you guys, what do you have? I drive a 3500. Nobody's interested Larry. in a TRX? Or you they know, would love a TRX? You know, uh, I'm actually, the, the Ford Lightning has kind of piqued my interest. Has it? I haven't looked, I haven't gone down that rabbit Reach hole. Reach out to Andrew Lusso from Lusso Design. He just recently yeah. acquired one, so yeah. he has it. He'll tell you all about it. Cool. Um, he says he loves it. Piqued my curiosity. So. I hear it's quite a while to get them. Oh, I'm sure there's a little Like Like list. all vehicles. Anything, right? What is your least favorite vehicle? Least favorite vehicle? Mm, something with rust on it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Anything with rust on it. Yeah. Uh, what construction sound or noise do you love? This was probably my answer last time, but my, my Cummins diesel engine. It's when, just got when, that purr. When it's purring yeah. correctly, right? Yeah. It's like uh, when you're driving out the driveway and it's just got that like idle purr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What construction sound or noise do you hate? Mm, somebody using a tool improperly. It's like binding or screeching or... Yeah, that's pain. They'll need a tool meeting at that point. Yep. Uh, just yep. a little refresher course. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Um, and that's a good one. There's a lot of like, uh, you know, related professions that I could be interested in, you know, whether that's design, architecture, that type of thing. Um, you know, I mentioned, you know, coaching or mentorship previously. 
Um, I think at the moment, that's kind of what's, what's got me peaked. Yeah. Being some sort of, you know, consultant coach type thing. But that's, that's a long ways away. It's 20, 30 years from now. So. Uh, you never know. Could oh. be sooner. You never know. Oh. What profession would you not like to do? Not like to do? Man, public sector. That seems terrible. These days. My, my personality, I, I couldn't do it. No. I, I just wouldn't be able to. You'd be too truthful and too honest yeah, and too. Yeah. I'd be bad at the job. Yeah. I'd be really bad at the job. Because be you, you'd be trying to do the job. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Mm. Um, yeah, I kind of like this question kind of makes me think of like legacy. Um which I've kind of, I've worked on a little bit. I've tried to kind of craft my personal vision a little bit as well. And, and for me, it's like the balance of family life and family kind of generational growth uh, coupled with like professional growth. So for me, it's like the acknowledgement that like I've balanced uh, both professional uh, success and, and personal success. Um, you know, so something to the effect of, you know, good job, you, you did it. You did it. Yeah. That's all you can ask, man. That's yeah. all I can ask for. Doug, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and coming on the show and yeah, sharing so much more, man. So yeah. got to get the boys back on here again for when sure. they have some downtime. Uh, sure. Maybe, I guess, when it's a snowstorm or something yeah. like that, everyone can just come in here. Trapes right totally. in with, this, with the yeah. boots and everything. It's all fine. It's all good. Yeah. Thank you, Doug. Everybody, yeah. Doug Taylor, Frontiers Design Build. Reach out to him on Instagram. You, you're going to learn more than enough if you just follow and pay attention to what's going on there. Triple W Frontiers Design Build and dot com. And it's uh, FrontiersLA at gmail.com. And on Instagram, it's again Frontiers underscore Design Build. You got it. That's it, man. We are out of here. Thanks, Thank Angelina. You.